Cool. Hello, everybody. Hi. Uh, quick hands up. Who's feeling a little sleepy this afternoon? Yes. So I'm just going to name that because I've noticed that like every single person who I've encountered this afternoon has been like, Hi. So for all of us here who would rather be at home napping on the sofa, I'm with you. But we're all here. Hooray. It's great to see you. Um, welcome to May, everybody. How are we feeling about May? Yeah, so I'm, get, I'm getting a vibe that we're all feeling just a little bit sleepy about May. But that's okay, because I can generally muster up some, some excitement from somewhere. Um, so in the month of May, we as a church are going to be doing a little mini-series, uh, three talks in a row, talking about giving. Uh, we're going to be talking about giving our time, giving our energy, and giving our money to God. Okay? We're going to be um, talking about giving our time and energy and money to to basically building his kingdom. Now, I don't know how that concept lands with you. Um, I, I've found it in the past that when I've come to church and someone's grabbed a microphone and said, today we're going to be talking about money, I think, oh, rubbish, I wish I'd stayed in bed today. But you didn't, so you're all here, so well done. It would be frightfully rude if any of you stood up and walked out now. So there we go, you're trapped for the next half an hour, you lucky sausages. Um, but we're going to be talking about the reality um, that follow followers of Jesus are called to give up everything to follow him. Uh, we're going to be focusing on God as our loving father who wants us to live happy and abundant lives full of joy and peace and not striving, not full of judgment. Um, but at the same time, how do we kind of hold those two things together in tension? Um, so just to break the ice before we go any further, what I'd like you to do is just find some friendly looking people around you, two or three people, and I just want you to chat for 60 seconds and try and think of the most generous thing that somebody's ever given to you. So we're talking about giving what is the most generous thing that anybody has ever given to you so for example I was racking my brains in preparation for this and I couldn't think of anything I'm, re I'm really sorry Emily wherever you are but the thing that came to me was I got given a pasta maker for Christmas and you know when you just get given something and you think oh, someone knows me I didn't even know I wanted this and I unwrapped it and went I want this. This is wonderful. So that was a great present. But what is the most generous thing someone's ever given to you? Uh, you have 60 seconds. Find some friendly looking people, Gloucester Vineyard Church people, play host. Go for it. Okay, shout some things at me. The most generous thing anyone's ever given to you. What have we got in the room? A car? A car? You got given a car? Wow, that's amazing. Can anybody top a car? That's a no, but it's okay. We can go under a car. Anybody else got anything else? What are the generous gifts that have been given? An amplifier. How, a Marshall amplifier. I, I'm going to take it that that's a good thing. Yes, that's a good thing. Well, there you go. You know, whatever floats your boat. Um, anything else? What else has been given? Generous things that have been given. Yes. Second. 500 quid? Quick show of hands, who'd rather have 500 quid and who'd rather have a car? So hands up for 500 quid, hands up for a car. Okay, split the room. Most people would rather have a car. You're very good at playing the values game. That's very good. Okay, very good. So I want to ask another really, really quick hands up question. And, and this is a, I'm going to flag this. This is a trap, okay? So hands up in the room. Who wants to be a disciple of Jesus? Anybody want to be a disciple? This is a trap. Yep. Good. I can see some hands up in the room. I warned you it was a trap, okay? Um, I'm just going to read you a little bit of um, something that Jesus said once, um, which I think has kind of been on my mind as I've been thinking about this talk this week. He said this. He says, he's talking about for those people who want to be his disciple, he says, but don't begin until you count the cost. 
For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Love the Bible. Just as it, as it is sometimes. Did you ever drive past on the way between like Gloucester and Oxford? There was a little housing development on the left as you're going to Oxford. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. They built like a whole bunch of beautiful looking houses and then they just stopped. And for years, yeah, they went bust. For years you're driving past like, no, but they finished it now. Yeah, that's right. So they look, they look lovely now, just in case you haven't been to Oxford for a little while. Um, anyway, Jesus goes on. He said they would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. So, oh, and then he goes on a little bit later on. He says, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Make that one into a fridge magnet. Quotes of Jesus. Quick show of hands. Who wants to be a disciple of Jesus now? Oh, there you go. Some reluctant hands in the room. Love the honesty there. That's great. Those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. That's tricky. So who's okay with that deal? You know, in all seriousness, I think Jesus is trying to get our attention there by being really extreme. And that's kind of kind of hits you where it hurts, doesn't it? But I also think that Jesus kind of means that. I think there's, there's, a, there's a thread to that that he really, really means. Um, So we're talking about Big Give May, um, and we're going to be talking about just that. We're going to be talking about the big give that it is to give your life to Jesus. We talk about that sometimes in Christian circles, about giving your life to Jesus. And that's a big give. It demands everything, our time, our energy, our money. How do we do that? How do we reconcile that? Because, like, no hands went up there when I asked who wanted to be a disciple a minute ago. That's really cool. Really honest of you guys. Um, I'm really aware that each of us is in different places on our journey towards Jesus. That's kind of how this community works. You're very welcome here if you're still making up your mind about him. Um, But I think Jesus would really encourage you to take this really seriously, to count the cost of following Jesus before you make a decision. He's not scared of that question. Um, So wherever you are on that spectrum, whether you're still heading towards Jesus or whether you've been following him for ages, I hope that something that we will share here will be challenging and hopefully uplifting and, and we'll get somewhere together. How does that sound? Does that sound okay? Yes, good, excellent. So today I'm going to be talking about money. Now, Emily and I, my lovely wife Emily and I, we have been thinking about money a fair bit over the last couple of months because we have been doing some serious adulting in our household. Um, We are thinking about maybe doing an extension on the side of our house, and that's very, very expensive. And so we're thinking, where on earth is the money for that going to come from? We've also just needed to remortgage our house pray for us. We were on a lovely rate of 1.6%. And all I'm going to say is, we're not on 1.6% anymore. Oh, the glory days. They are well and truly over. Um, But we also did a really adulty thing recently, which we should have done 10 years ago. And I'm really embarrassed to admit that we've only just done it. We got a will. Yep. So we've been living for like 10 years without a will. Who here has a will? Yes. Who here, uh, me saying that I've got a will has made you think, oh, I need, to, I need to do that. Yes, honesty in the room is great today. Thank you, guys. Absolutely loving it. Um, 
So anyway, for us, our will was pretty simple uh, to write at the moment. Uh, it's important, nonetheless, to have it in place. Um, but even when you're writing the will, you kind of have this like horrible feeling of like, oh my goodness, this could cause so much horribleness if this is not done right. Like, anybody here had an experience of a will causing upset? Anybody? Yes, there are some hands. I'm not going to ask any questions because it's like, if, when, it's, when it's done not quite right, my goodness, Mm-mm-mm. you don't even want to go there. Like, maybe one child is given a greater chunk of money than the other child, or maybe one relative is completely cut out altogether, or all of the money goes to the donkey sanctuary. Oh, don't even go there. I'm on thin ice. You get the picture. But I bring this up because I think this is a really helpful illustration of how we can think about money when we think about giving our money to God. I think we kind of think about it in terms of a will, which I'll come back to uh, in a minute. Because um, I think whenever we think about God and money, it gets kind of tricky because money is a very physical thing and God is a very kind of conceptual thing. You know, we think, hmm, God and hmm, money. So how do those two things come together? And I think Jesus knew this very, very well. Jesus had an extraordinary outlook on money, I think. He had this view that money was an extremely powerful force in the world and in our lives. So powerful, in fact, that he actually talked about money as if it were like a living being, almost like if it was a person, almost like there was like a spiritual reality behind the way that money works in the world. That's the way that Jesus spoke about money. And we've all seen and felt the way that money makes us think and feel in the world. We've all witnessed folks getting themselves kind of tied in knots over having too much or having too little, and that just not really working out. Jesus really famously said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. Jesus uses the word enslavement to money. Like that's his view on how uh, money works in the world and in our lives. Jesus' perspective was that money has the power to enslave us and dictate how we should live. That if we're not careful, money has the power to enslave us and make us feel miserable. Now, I reckon there are some stories in the room uh, right now of, of people in your lives where you found that true. Maybe you've got personal stories of where that's true. Um, and so we're going to be slightly risky. I'm going to invite you to get back into those little groups and just share for maybe one or two minutes. Can you think of an example where you've seen money have just power over someone where it shouldn't have it? Um, made someone think or do something which you think, well, that doesn't make any logical sense, and it's because their money has had this power over them. Like, just a couple of minutes, I'm sure that there's some stories. So if you feel safe to do so and it's appropriate, then I just encourage you to share. Um, if it's not, then you can just, you know, just listen. That's absolutely fine. So Gloucester Vineyard folks, once again, this is a moment for us to step forward and be hosts. So make sure that everybody's kind of in a group, and let's just share for a couple of minutes. When have you seen money hold that kind of power in someone's life? Okay, I'm not going to ask you guys to feedback, don't worry. No one's going to have to air any dirty laundry in the room. But I'm not surprised that there was plenty of conversation going on there. That everyone's got a little bit of a story of when you've seen money kind of grab hold of someone. I've got loads of stories of that from my own life. Um, and if you're, if you're interested in Jesus' perspective on money and the things that Jesus said about money, and really what I would consider to be the core thing that Jesus would say to us about our relationship with money, um, I did a talk on this, I think maybe a year and a half ago. You can find it on our podcast. It's called Breaking Up With Money. Um, and I think it's, it kind of unpacks Jesus' whole approach towards money. So if you're 
you're interested in that, I encourage you to go and seek that out and have a little look. Um, diddly diddly dee. Where are we? Uh, there. Um, so, yeah. But for the rest of the today, I just want us to talk about giving our money away. Because Jesus didn't just kind of speak to uh, the, the problem that money can be in our life. He didn't just call it out as dangerous. He doesn't just warn us to watch out for money. He actually prescribes an antidote to this problem, this money problem that we can often find ourselves in. Um, and we've actually touched on it already today. So what do you think Jesus' prescription for our money problem is? What should we do? Somebody say it louder. You, nobody wants to say it. You all know what the correct answer is. Go on. Give it away. And how much of it should we give away? Come on. All of it. That's right. Give all of it away. Well, that's it. Welcome to Gloucester Vineyard Church. It's lovely to see you guys. We're going to be back same time, same place next week. Uh, thank you very much. It's not mine. It's Jesus' words, not mine. You know, I obviously kid. Um, but if you're blessed enough in this world to have money, Jesus says you need to give it all away, full stop. He actually said it on a couple of occasions to a couple of people. Yuck. I don't like this. Um, so let's just workshop this lovely teaching of Jesus to give all our money away. Who's got some concerns? Is there anybody in the room who'd like to add maybe a nuance or a caveat to what I'm saying? Does anybody want to just say, okay, yes, but? Thank you. Very good. I'll help you out, Daniel. It's like, realistically, you know, it said, give all your money away. There's not a single person in this room apart from nuns and monks who's actually done that. So clearly we're not doing something right. So we're all applying our own nuance to it. Are we doing that consciously with intention or are we just sort of like saying, oh, well, I'll donate that much and it'll be fine. Very good. Thank you. Anybody else got any other concerns? Any thoughts? Anybody want to? Yeah. What about providing security for your family? Excellent. Anybody else? Go on, one more. Yes. We've got to pay our taxes. We've got to pay our taxes. I don't think that the, um, the government would be that impressed if we're like, sorry, I gave all my money to Jesus. You can't have any of it, Mr. Taxman. I don't think HMRC would be too impressed, would they? Um, yes. Thank you. Totally legitimate concerns, and I would say very, very sensible things to say. And so, as you can see, there's something of a tension between what Jesus told us to do, being a very black and white thing, and what Christians have actually done over the years. And so what Christians have tended to do is to manage this very difficult tension um, in the same way as we kind of think about wills. To say, okay, I'm going to designate a chunk of my money, and I'm going to give it over in, in a big chunk over to God. Um, usually, Christians are ridiculously generous people. Usually, followers of Jesus have really got this in their system, that, that money is a force in their lives, which can, which can really wreck stuff. And they understand that in order to disarm the power of money in our lives, we need to give chunk, a big chunk of it away, uh, usually a percentage, and they usually give it to the church. Um, now, at this stage, the trustees of our charity would like me to say that there is absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And if that's what you do on a regular basis, thank you very much. Um, but in all seriousness, that's what em Emily and I do. That's what we've always done. We've always designated a percentage of our income. We've given it away to the church every month. It's painful. Frankly, we could spend it on other things, but it's a joy to do so. And it has formed the way that our relationship works. So that is fantastic and a brilliant way of thinking about money, a brilliant way of disarming its power in your life. 
bless you. Um, but I would argue that it's only a first step. That the radical perspective that the Bible would encourage us towards is that actually everything that we own comes from God. And everything ultimately belongs to him. That rather than kind of portioning off a chunk uh, for God and keeping the rest for ourselves, we should be thinking about all of our money as from God and all of our money as for God. But how on earth do we do that? How on earth do we even think like that? Because as we've already identified, there's so much else that we need to think about in order to live well in the world. So I want to kind of introduce this, this idea. So I think this is the way, this is a metaphor that I find quite helpful um, for kind of thinking about this idea of our money and how we relate it to God. So uh, who in the room here is raising children in their home at the moment? Yes. Okay, so we've got a handful of people who are raising children in their home. So a question for you guys. Uh, do your kids have stuff? Yes. Yeah. Kids have stuff. Yeah, lots of stuff. Absolutely. Um, could, could they identify the stuff that is theirs? Yeah, yeah, they could identify. Uh, do they have food? Generally, clothing. Yeah, they've got some clothing. Good. So that's great. That's good. All, all, everyone's happy with that. So the kids in our houses, they have a whole load of stuff. They have access to a whole load of stuff. They have resources at their disposal. One final question: Where did all of that stuff come from? Us. Yes. Yeah. From you. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to add? No, sorry, I shouldn't have picked on you. Yeah, all of, the, all of the stuff that our kids have, realistically, it comes from us. Now, as a general rule, did any of your children generate any of that for themselves? Generally. Not really. You know, certainly not how things tend to work in our house. So we've got two daughters, and generally, in our house, the stuff that my kids have access to is actually, technically, my stuff. All their food, all their toys, all their clothes, their room, all of it is technically mine. No, I mean it because like, even the clothes that they wear, they were bought by us or somehow brought into the house by us. You know, even if there's presents that are coming into the house from uncles and aunties, if I don't want the kids to have them, they're not going to have them. Like, I'm their parent, so I get to make that call. Um, so I give, if I give my daughters an iPad, ultimately, that iPad belongs to me, because I can take it away if I want to. Um, so if you ask my daughters, what will they say? Or if you ask an outsider looking into my family, what will they say? Like, have my kids got stuff? Yeah, they've got stuff, it's their stuff. But ultimately, it all belongs to me. Am I completely mad? I am aware of how I sound right now. Like, do you know when you, like, I was writing this, and I, I was literally picturing the look on Emily's face, and she's just given it to me. So I, I'm, I'm aware that I sound really, like, a despot here, but I think it's just a practical reality that realistically, in our house, everything that our kids have, it is ours, and we give it to them and we let them have it. But if we don't want them to have it, we could just take it away from them. So it's, it's ours. Am I completely mad? Is anybody vibing with this? Anybody resonating with this? Yes, I've got one thumbs up, so that's good. The rest of everything I'm saying is for you. So that's good. All of this is to say... Um, I know this metaphor only goes so far. If you've got older kids, it doesn't work. But I'm, what I'm trying to get to is that our Bibles are trying to form within, within us a similar perspective about our money and our, our possessions. That we may feel that we own a whole load of stuff. We may feel like that we've, uh, you know, we've earned a whole load of stuff. But in reality, everything we own has been given to us by God. That is the perspective that the writers of the Bible are trying to drum into us.
There's this wonderful bit at the beginning of Psalm 24, which is right bang smack in the middle of your Bibles. It's a list of prayers and songs to God. And it says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. It's like there's just no room for any questions there. For he laid the earth foundation, the earth's foundation on the sea and built it upon the ocean's depth. Now, for those of us who follow Jesus, we're encouraged to live our lives from a posture of gratitude, as if that's true, from a belief that actually everything we are and everything we have is a gift from God. That even if we earn a whole load of stuff by the sweat of our brows, the fact that we have a beating heart and breath in our lungs is a gift from God that he has given us. Now, we're led and formed to hold this belief that everything we have is a good gift from God, a God who has generously given it to us. But so what? So that's, that's, the, that's the worldview that the Bible is trying to form in us. So what? How does this all shake down? If we're thinking about our money, if we've realized that all of our money is from God, and we agree that in order to be a disciple of Jesus, we need to give it all to him, how do we actually do that? What does that actually look like in practice? I'd like to suggest that it looks like two things as I kind of try and bring this thing into land. The first thing I think it looks like is that we stop wasting it. I was trying to think of a really subtle poetic way of putting this, but I just couldn't think of anything. So I just felt like God wanted to say, just ask yourself, what are we spending our God-given money on? And ask if any of it is being spent on trash, which is making the world a worse place and making us unhappy. Or is just naff? I think that the first, the first part of this is to just stop wasting money if, if that's the case. That's it. Number one. Number two is to start investing it. One of the best, one of the things that I've come across and come to observe about money over the years is that money is best used, in my humble opinion, to build kingdoms. This is going to be like my I own everything in my house thing, isn't it? Just come with me on this, guys. Just come with me for a second. I think one of the things, um, the thing that money is best used for is to build kingdoms. Money, if it's treated really badly, can ruin your life. Money, when it's used really wisely, I think it builds kingdoms. You can observe this dynamic in the great British dream. Like, if you ask any average Brit down the pub, like, what are you aspiring towards? Generally, you'll get, like, a list of retirement status symbols. People will be like, well, I want a nice house in a nice neighborhood with a nice garden, like some nice savings, you know, a caravan, a dog, or not. I want holidays, I want comfort, I want to shop at Waitrose. You know, basically all of these things that we see from time to time with our friends who have managed to retire well. Like, that's the British dream, isn't it? I want all of those things. And if they've been wise with their money, they can retire well. And after all, an Englishman's home is his castle. An Englishman's home is his castle. And who lives in a castle but a king? And what is everything a king owns but a kingdom? So I think that money used wisely builds a kingdom. I think that's the thing which money does the best. When you use your money wisely, it builds a kingdom. So my main thing to say say today is, with whatever money you have at your disposal, please use it wisely. Please invest your money in building a kingdom. Because that's what happens when you use your money wisely. 
And my final question really today for us to ponder is, whose kingdom are we going to choose to build? Because our Bibles have so much to say about using money wisely, and money used wisely builds kingdoms. So whose kingdom are you going to choose to build? Whose kingdom are we going to choose to build? Are we going to use our God-given resources to build kingdoms for ourselves? Or are we going to use our God-given resources to build the kingdom of God, which is something that we talk about an awful lot around here. Jesus spoke directly to this. He said this, don't store up treasures here on earth. Don't build a kingdom for yourself here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys, destroys them, where thieves can break in and steal, where someone can nick your caravan off your driveway or a burst pipe in your loft can ruin everything in your house. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Jesus is talking about using our money wisely by investing it in the kingdom which has no end. He's talking about how we give all of our money to Jesus. We adopt this perspective that none of it is ours, that all of it's his, and it's all to be used to build his kingdom. And so this big give may, we want to help you to do just that. Because following Jesus is a journey of learning how to give more and more of ourselves over to the extension of God's kingdom in our day-to-day lives. But there's also times when we can take a big step forward in our journey by giving a larger chunk to him, whether we're talking about our time, our money, or our energy. So we want to create an opportunity for all of us to flex our generosity muscle, to grow in this discipline to remind ourselves that none of our money is ours and to invest in the growing kingdom of God. So we're going to be doing that by creating a way for all of us to give over and above what we would normally give to the church and to other charities, uh, to two things which we as a leadership team have agreed we feel is a good and timely investment in the kingdom of God. And I just really encourage all of us here who are here and everybody who I know is going to listen to this podcast because it's really just going to be amazing um, to really prayerfully and wisely consider investing in these two things which we feel will build God's kingdom both here in Gloucester and overseas as well. The first thing is that we would like to make an investment into Unity Community Yes. Woo-woo. So most of you will know that as a church, we do a lot of things to reach out to those seeking asylum and refugees and folks from other lands who, for whatever reason, have found themselves in Gloucester and are looking for community. Sarah Turner and her team are doing an amazing job and amazing things, and we hear about them all the time with the football, the conversation club, with the uh, home groups and meals, and all sorts of other creative ways that Sarah and her team are welcoming folks from all over the world. And we really want to meaningfully invest in their work because we identify that at the moment unity community is the place where we are seeing the most opportunity and the most advance of the kingdom of God and so we want to invest in that and so over the month of May whatever is given by this church community we want to give 50% of that over to unity community we will be spending those funds on developing the existing things that we do uh, and also potentially starting new stuff so we want to buy a barbecue for the football um, that happens every Sunday so that we can um, have meals after football and build deeper relationships with those who come to football and with their families we want to add more meetings and meals when Sarah finds opportunities that are coming up we want to provide football kits for young lads who are coming maybe unaccompanied minors 
who are coming and they don't have football kits to come and play. We don't want that to be a, bar a barrier for them. So we want to have some ready money so that we can bless those guys as they come and say, you are welcome here. Come and join this community. Don't let that hold you back. Uh, and it helps us to be, and we're also going to be using it to be responsive towards whatever opportunity comes up next. I regularly meet with Sarah, and she'll often say, oh, Daniel, there's something that's come up. There's a lady who wants to do this. There's an opportunity to bless these people in this way. Can we please do it? And I want to just keep saying yes to Sarah, because she is on the front line um, welcoming these fantastic, precious people to our city. Um, so we want to invest 50% of whatever is given into the growing and expansive work of Unity Community. And we also want to give 50% of whatever is donated away to the World Vision Disaster Relief Fund. Um, so we started partnering with a charity called World Vision last year, and we've been really inspired and impressed by the way that World Vision is present and active uh, in some of the hardest places to live at the moment. World Vision is still present in Afghanistan, where over 90% of the population are living below the poverty line. World Vision was some of the first responders to the recent earthquakes in Syria and the surrounding nations. And they continue to work within communities all over the world, showing God's love and advancing God's kingdom in really practical ways. So I asked our friend Matt, who represents World Vision, you know, how can we give that would make the most impact? And he said, if we give to their disaster relief fund, then it's kind of, it's not locking the money down, and they can be really responsive when there is a disaster, whether it's natural or otherwise, and they can get in and kind of bring the aid to where it needs to be. So they are a fantastic global organization who are doing amazing things around the world, and we want to give 50% of whatever is given away to them to enable them to do what they're doing. So over the month of May, um, I'd like to encourage all of us to think and pray and give towards this giving campaign, to invest in the work of Unity Community in our city and to support World Vision as they put food in the hands of the hungriest, most desperate people in the world. So each week, the way we're going to do it is there will be a slide up on there with a QR code. Ta-da! There it is. Thanks, Steve. Um, a slide with the QR code. If you boop that QR code, it'll take you straight through to a very neat and tidy page where you can make a one-off donation if you'd like to. It also handles the gift date really nicely and neatly and is very, very helpful. Um, we will also send out a link in the weekly email. Um, and so if you'd like to give that way, if you just want to do it in the privacy of your own home, then go for it. There will be a link in the emails. You can click that. And you can give at any point during the month of May, and we'll keep it open into June as well, because I know that we all do our finances slightly differently. So if you need to just budget for that, um, then that's totally fine. It will kind of roll into June as well. Um, yes. But I'd love to encourage you to pray about how much you and your household could give, and then go for it. If you've got kiddos, please involve your kiddos. This is a really important thing that we can teach them. And also, please don't feel pressured in any way. This is an opportunity, and there's no, no one's going to be tracking anything or making anything weird. This is an opportunity to be generous and to kind of dethrone money in our lives. Um, great. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yes, I finished well early. Brilliant. I've been doing so badly at that. So why don't we stand together and let's pray as we finish. Danny, do you want to grab the guitar? Thanks, matey. Let's just take a moment. Why don't we close our eyes if you feel comfortable? What we tend to do around these parts is we hold our hands out as if we're about to receive a gift. And that's just literally a way of us kind of just physically t uh, telling the insides of our bodies what we want to happen by holding out our hands to say, God, I want to receive from you. So if you're in a place today where you want to hear from God to receive from God, I just encourage you to close your eyes and just pop your hands out in front of you.
Father God, we thank you that you're here today with us. Jesus, we thank you that whilst you were here on earth, the things that you said, the teachings that you gave were deeply, deeply practical. They were practical and useful when you said them 2,000 years ago and they ring with so much truth for us today. Jesus, we just want to think about those who we know who are really struggling with money at the moment. Either those who just haven't got enough of it and for it's just not making sense and those who we identified earlier who've just got themselves in a bit of a pickle with it. Jesus, we thank you that you came to bring us freedom. Father, I just pray that as we consider giving over and above what we might normally give to this giving campaign this year, that you'd be speaking to us, that you would be teaching us about your generosity. I pray that you'd be investing in our hearts that perspective that everything we have is yours because you are a generous Father. We thank you for the breath in our lungs. We thank you for every beat of our hearts. We thank you for every good gift that we can identify. And Lord, we just pray that you'd help us to identify what we might be able to give to grow unity community in our city and to bless those around the world who desperately, desperately need it. 